Welcome to episode 93 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great, Mark. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing all right. You know, this offseason starting to progress. It's getting more interesting. It's exciting. Yeah, it, it just keeps going. We talked about we talked about all the names we saw last week. This week, we have even more names. Right before we came on this podcast, Blue Jays apparently being interested in Jay Happ again for the third time um, over the past you know decade. Um, and there's other hot stove news as well. DJ LeMahieu has been mentioned with the Blue Jays. Colton Wong mentioned with the Blue Jays. So the names keep pouring in. So let's just start there. We'll get the hot stove stuff out of the way, and then we can get to some of the other stuff we have planned for today. But um, yeah, let's start with Jay Happ, because I feel like that's, even though the Blue Jays have been mentioned with the likes of DJ LeMahieu, who obviously is one of the biggest names this offseason, a Blue Jay fans have an affinity and a connection to Jay Happ, and they've been connected with him for so long, and now they're trying, I guess, to some extent, trying to get a third um, stint of him with the Blue Jays. What do you guys think of this? I mean, he's 38 years old. Some people are saying he's too old. Um, he's had his time in Toronto. The Blue Jays should be looking for a different pitcher. A guy like Taiwan Walker, um, who's, you know, 10 years younger than Jay Happ, who could contribute to the Blue Jays for a longer amount of time. So what do you guys think about the Blue Jays' interest in Jay Happ? Yeah, it is t- definitely interesting that the Blue Jays are, you know, again, looking at Jay Happ, but I don't think he's necessarily a bad player. I don't think it's a bad option to have him on your in your within your rotation. I mean, he was good with the Yankees this year, uh, a three forty seven ERA, and in fact, that was fourth among uh, the free agent starting pitchers. So I mean, he he wasn't bad at all. But it it's a little. I, I guess it's just kind of awkward because it, again, it is the third time that they're actively seeking him out, or at least rumored to be doing so. So it's kind of like. You know, oh, Jay Happ again. I mean, it, like I said, he's not a bad player, but it's just kind of when you add that third time looking uh, to add him to your team, it's just a, a little bit odd, kind of. I mean, he the only kind of concern that I have is his age. Uh, he is 38. He'll be entering his age 39 season next year. So how many years can you really get out of him? And they signed him to a three-year deal, I believe, back in the 20. 15 off season uh, and that worked out well for the Blue Jays but are you going to get three years out of him again this time I kind of doubt that you know maybe one to two years two years max but one year is probably likely uh, and one thing this current team that the Blue Jays have is very different they have a, a young core that they are expected to have for a long time with most of them being under team control you look at guys like Nate Pearson under team control until 2026. Guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I believe it's either 2025 or 2026. They have a lot of these young pieces on their team for a very long time, so I don't know if the Blue Jays would want to kind of have so many so many guys coming in and out of the organization every couple years, especially a guy like your starting rotation. Because say J-Hap ends up being really good and this move works out for the Blue Jays, what's what happens in a year or two when his contract's up? You know, do you... Do you re-sign him when he's likely in his 40s? Or, you know, how does that work out? I think they'd want kind of more stability just within the rotation because, as we saw this year, the starting rotation is vital and, you know, nothing's guaranteed. A lot of bad things can happen with guys getting injured and whatnot. Uh, One thing 
I want to kind of point out, I don't, I don't think that the Blue Jays are necessarily targeting. Actually, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but I think the, the, the way the Blue Jays are approaching this offseason, we've seen them be very active. They're kind of going for everybody. And Jay Happ was a good pitcher this year, and he is a free agent. So it's kind of like they're going for everybody, and Jay Happ just happens to be within that everybody category. Uh, I think definitely this is more of a uh, more of a rumor to kind of give the Blue Jays more options in terms of who they want to sign because obviously we've talked about uh, in the past guys like Taiwan Walker, a free agent that they would I would like to see them re-sign. Uh, guys like Jake Odorizzi, Trevor Bauer, who have kind of been floating around the rumors. So I, I feel like those guys would be a little bit more likely, whereas Hap might kind of be a, you know, we didn't get Taiwan Walker, we didn't get Jake Odorizzi, we're going to, you know, why don't you come with us? Uh, we'll sign you. And I don't know, that, that kind of sounds as if he's like a plan B or he's not very, or he's not uh, the favorable option. And I don't want to put it that way. I think it's just, you know, the Blue Jays, they're going for everybody and they're kind of weighing things saying, you know, this is who we want. Kind of like drafting, you know, you have obviously your, your top pick and then you have your, okay, well, if this guy's picked, who else do we pick? That's kind of how it's going to play out. You know, whoever the Blue Jays get, uh, they get, I think they're just keeping their options and they're keeping their options open. But I mean, I'm, I'm all for a reunion to an extent. I mean, I don't want to, like I said, rely on, you know, say he's your third starter, fourth starter, something like that. You know, you, the last thing you want is inconsistencies, or you know, say he he gets injured, or you know, he he is aging. So that is, like I said, a bit of an issue with kind of this move. But overall, I mean, if the Blue Jays sign him to a one or two year deal, it's not a bad idea. But at the same time, there are, I think, other options that would be a little bit more favorable. Yeah, the, the J-Hap thing um, this morning kind of caught me a bit off guard again, but I'm not overly surprised with why the Blue Jays would be interested in him. And of course, Mark, like you said, this would be uh, reunion probably number two, and um, or reunion number three is, if, of course, J-Hap is someone we're very familiar with. The organization's very familiar with him, and again, he started off with the Blue Jays before, or at least his first tenure was before uh, the playoff runs in 2015 and 2016. Uh, he was brought back in 2016 kind of like a replacement. Uh, you know, he kind of technically replaced David Price after he left for Boston. And then the year later in 2018, he was traded to the Yankees for Billy McKinney and uh, Brandon Drury. And, of course, that trade, when you look at it now, didn't exactly work out to what the Blue Jays expected or hoped. But, of course, those are kind of the risks you take when you're trading assets for, you know, players in a minor league system. And Jay Happ has spent the past two years uh, with the Yankees. Uh, he was on a two-year contract worth $34 million. And it's pretty similar to uh, the the contract he kind of, he signed with the Jays. He signed a three-year contract worth $36 million. So he got paid a lot more money uh, in New York for those final two years. And, of course, you know, Jay Happ is a solid pitcher from... His career numbers, he's got a career ERA of 398, which is very good for an average. And last year in particular, he started nine games, put a 347 ERA up. And, um, you know, someone who also pitched well in his time in Toronto. Um, Jay Happ was probably the best his second tenure with the Jays. He spent a total of six years there and a career ERA with the Blue Jays with 388. So, again, great numbers for um, um, for career numbers with the Jays and, of course, his career numbers alone as you expand that for his days with Philadelphia as well in Houston, and then the Jays twice, and the Yankees now for the past few years. And when you look at it for the Jays as well, you, it, the reason why it makes sense 
is because the Blue Jays, of course, still have a few names that aren't exactly committed for next year. You have Matt Shoemaker, you have Taiwan Walker, who are still unsigned, and their futures are very well in question. The only player or the only pitcher that has been brought in back who was expected to hit the market was Robbie Ray, so he's back for sure. But when you look at it now, there's also players within the organization who spent 2020 in a bullpen row or a bullpen role role who are expected to compete for a starting job in the spring of 2021. And those names in particular, and if this has been confirmed by Ross Atkins, those names in particular are Ryan Barucki, who you can throw in there. Uh, you can throw in Thomas Hatch, even though I don't know how serious of a contender he will be. Anthony Kay will definitely be a, con- a serious contender for possibly starting. And then, of course, you have other names you know, that are deeper within the depth of the organization. First of all, Nate Pearson's going to expect to return like full-time, barring any injuries. He will likely almost certainly make the opening day rotation as well. And, of course, like I said, you have Robbie Ray, who is already committed and has a spot in the rotation. You have Sean Reed Foley, who's in the system. Um, and then, of course, the other players who have been signed or who have term, and that is Tanner Roark, who knows what his future holds. You have Hinjin Ryu for another three years. You have Ross Stripling. And, of course, Trent Thornton, who's going to be returning from elbow surgery. So it'll be interesting to see how he his workload's handled in the spring. And then another name, or a couple of other names, uh, deeper names within the organization, is Jacob Wagesback and TJ Zoig. So, you know, the Jays have a lot of depth, uh, for sure, in the starting rotation. But unfortunately, there's so many question marks, and who knows what the starting rotation will look like in the spring. And if you bring in Jay Happ, of course, that likely makes it better. It's just something that kind of threw me a little bit off guard, and it's wondering, just wondering if he's needed that much. And, you know, I've, I've already received or seen comments online saying, if you want Jay Happ, why did you sign Robbie Ray? Why would you bring him back and then want to add Jay Happ at the same time? So the move, I can understand it, but definitely caught me a bit off guard, and I really don't know how I feel about it, but I wouldn't mind seeing Jay Happ return um, as a Blue Jay. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. Um, he's good. He was good last year. If you look at his numbers compared to other pitchers on the market, I mean, John Morosi of MLB Network were pointed this out when he first reported the news, but um, J-Hap's ERA+, plus, which is basically a measure of your ERA compared to the league average ERA, was 126 in 2020, which is fourth out of eligible pitchers or pitchers who have more than 40 innings pitched in 2020 and are free agents. So you look at that market and it shows that J-Hap is one of the better pitchers on the market right now. Like Jacob said, I don't think it's their first priority. I think the Blue Jays are casting a wide net. You know, they're saying, okay, Jake Odorizzi, okay, Trevor Bauer, okay, all these other infielders that we're looking at. Um, But they're saying we want to keep our options open, even though this might not be ideal. Obviously, you would rather have someone like Taiwan Walker instead of Jay Happ, because Taiwan Walker is 10 years younger. And probably by most accounts, a better pitcher. Obviously, you would rather have someone like Jake Odorizzi, who I think is six years younger and has put up good numbers, not this past year, but in years prior. So I think there are options that the Blue Jays would definitely choose before they would choose Jay Happ. But knowing that, the Blue Jays wouldn't say no to Jay Happ because he's a good pitcher. He can be a good fallback option, but I definitely don't think they should be prioritizing him over other players. Um, Bryson, you mentioned the comments you got. Um, I got similar comments, people saying, like, why? Like, like there's so many other pitchers on the market that are younger, that, you know, haven't been with the Blue Jays two times. I know um, that shouldn't really matter. It should really only be about the skill of a player. But I think when we're 
looking at these players, sometimes from an entertainment perspective, it's nice to see new faces. Um, I think it'd be cool to have him back. Um, you know, he's pitched six seasons with the Blue Jays, which is, I think the most of any team he's ever played with in his career, if I'm looking at years. Yeah, six years with the Blue Jays, four years for the next closest team, the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, so he has 745 career innings with the Blue Jays. That's 135 games, 127 starts. So he's been with the Blue Jays for a very long time. Um, I think it'd be cool to have him back, but like you said, Jacob, it should be priority number two or three or four, whereas priority number one is Bauer, number two is Odorizzi, um, along that line. So they should be prioritizing getting someone else if they have to get Jay Happ. Yeah, for those reasons in particular, and of course, like I said, Mark, there's a lot of competition within the organization with the names I mentioned earlier. So massive competition heading into the spring. And it just it's not necessarily a must need for them. Like you said, of course you want to prioritize on someone like Trevor Bauer, who is a top player in this year's market. So of course you would want to bring him in. But when you further go down the list, you just it doesn't the demand for it just doesn't seem like it's all there. It's kind of more like another contingency option. And of course I'm sure the signing of Trevor Bauer will also determine how serious they'll make this with Jay Happ. But anyways, continue, Jacob. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of the negative reactions are is coming from the fact that Jay Happ has played with the Blue Jays in two separate stints, whereas uh, take any pitcher of his caliber. If the Blue Jays, you know, Taiwan Walker, for example, obviously the, he was just with the Blue Jays this past season, but if the Blue Jays were to sign him again, it would be, okay, he's a good pitcher. He can benefit the team. Whereas with Happ, it's kind of, like, like, like Mark, you just said, the entertainment value, it's like, you're looking at it saying, thinking, oh, we got, like, we got him again. I, you know, it's just, it's that interesting kind of, when you look at it from the perspective of, you know, we've had him twice, uh, people are, it's just kind of a confusing situation. But overall, I think he's a good pitcher, and I wouldn't mind having him. At the end of the day, if he makes the team better, then, you know, it's a good move, and I'm not against it, but... For a lot of people, I think the, the big issue—not not issue, but the, the kind of initial reaction to the tr- to the uh, to the rumors—is just kind of how can you want to get this guy again when you know there are other options who may be comparable, but you know they're different faces. So it's just kind of a, a weird little look at things. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big name that was reported with the Blue Jays. Um, we had some suspicions that they may have been involved with him, but um, this was kind of our first real confirmation. DJ LeMahieu being reported um, by the New York Post that the Blue Jays are in on DJ LeMahieu along with some other teams. The Yankees are pursuing him to re-sign him. The New York Mets, of course, with their new owner, Steve Cohen, pursuing him. Um, DJ LeMahieu, one of the biggest names this offseason. He finished third in MVP voting this past year. Um, fantastic season, 31 years old. Um, he had a 364 batting average, won a silver slugger at second base, topped the American League with a on-base percentage of 421, and led all of baseball with his batting average. So really just an insane season from him. Incredible season, but he's going to command a lot of money. Um, some people are projecting around four years, $80 million, kind of like the same type of deal that Hyunjin Ryu got when he first signed with the Blue Jays. Um We've seen the Blue Jays interested in infielders. They're also interested in Colton Wong, um, former infielder for the Cardinals before he declined a contract offer from them. He's a free agent. Um, he has 
good numbers, obviously not as good as LeMahieu, but pretty good numbers. Um, what, first off, I guess the question is, why are the Blue Jays interested in infielders at all? Right? Like they seem, it seems like they have all the infielders they could ever need. They have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., they have Kevin Biggio, they have Bo Bichette, they have Austin Martin, they have all these guys within the system that they already have in the infield. So why would they go out and get more instead of getting an outfielder, a pitcher, a reliever? I'm interested in hearing your guys' thoughts on that question first before we consider um, the individual players involved in this. Well, yeah, it's definitely weird because, of course, Mark, you're not the only one who's been asking this question. And, you know, a lot of fans are wondering why they're focusing or prioritizing on these infielders when you have players like Trevor Bauer or even outfielders who you should be paying more attention on. And like I said, or even when we talked about last week with Jake Odorizzi with how MLB Trade Rumors projected him to go to the Blue Jays, MLB Trade Rumors also projected DJ LeMahieu to sign here. And it was pretty similar to what you said, Mark. It would have been a four-year deal. And they project that $68 million. So DJ LeMahieu will be getting another big payday uh, alone. As he, you know, the reason why he obviously went to the Yankees a couple years ago was he got a massive raise and he was on a two year deal worth $24 million. So you can see how the salary is going to be increasing again. And he has been lights out since he's been to the AL East. And I'm sure Jays fans have gotten a little bit more used to him as he's before that he was spending his time in Colorado. So. You know, DJ LeMahieu, a 364 batting average last year, like you said, leading the league. His war was almost at three. He's very productive, but, um, you know, no, no one's taking anything away with the talent that he has, along with Colton Wong. But like you said, Mark, even even when we want to talk about the, in, the reported interest in Francisco Lindor, why prioritize on these infielders when you have, when we've discussed how loaded and all the depth they have in the infield with players like Bo Bichette, players that are coming up, Austin Martin, Jordan Groshans, you know, you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who wants to play third base again. Who knows how legit that will be? And, you you know, someone else on the, the roster who can play the infield is Travis Shaw, who's also under contract for next year. And they're just loaded in terms of depth. And it just it just doesn't really make sense unless, like I said, there's going to be a massive trade where lots of pieces are moved around. And, of course, I can't forget to, to mention Kevin Biggio. And, of course, someone who also spent time on the roster this year was Santiago Espinal. And he pretty much impressed defensively in spring training 2.0 as much as, you know, he wasn't as productive on the plate, but he was he's very good defensively. And these are all players. And when you want to look at their starting infield right now, where you have Biggio at second, Bichette at shortstop, uh, third base, either or if it's Guerrero or Shaw, and same with first base, where are these players going to fit if you bring in DJ LeMahieu? So what's, I just, like, there there must be some sort of move that they will make um, because, you know, it's very basic. You can only have one shortstop and one second baseman playing every day. It just, it doesn't make sense with all these potential names. And Colton Wong, another one who's emerged over the past couple of days, sure, they can be contingency options um, alongside Francisco Lindor, maybe an alternative, uh, but I just don't understand what they're thinking. They must be thinking something because, of course, like I said, it doesn't make sense. But, um, you know, in terms of they who they should be prioritizing, of course, Starting pitching should be, and the outfielders should be much more of a, pro- a priority, especially the starting rotation, because you kind of have a similar thing in the outfield where there is a lot of names within the organization, you know, who spent time on the roster last year. So, Jacob, I don't know if you think so too. Like, I've just, the only way I think about it is if they're planning to make some big move, you know, after the fact or before the fact to kind of make this make sense for everyone to understand, because like I said, they're, there's lots of depth within the organization. 
And, you know, if you want to spend that much money on someone like DJ LeMahieu or even Colt Wong or trade another, you know, a, a massive load of assets for someone like Francisco Lindor, you know, just, I just don't understand uh, why you would bring these people in without doing another move because it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, see, I kind of have two ideas or theories as to what they're doing. I think one of them, the Blue Jays, understand that Kevin Biggio is flexible and he can play except for he's not going to catch and he's not going to pitch, but he can play anywhere else. So perhaps the Blue Jays plan on putting, or it, maybe the rationale is we'll put him in the outfield and then you can acquire some type of infielder. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad idea to do that because obviously if you can get a guy like Francisco Lindor, even DJ LeMahieu, where they can, they'll be very productive for the Blue Jays, Kevin Biggio is productive too, but I think they would also help. And then you can put Kevin Biggio in the outfield, which still, even that requires you to move an outfielder or to, you know, trade or, you know, there's a lot of moves that would still have to happen because, you know, if Kevin Biggio is one of your outfielders, well, you're not going to have Randall Gritchick or definitely not any of the corner outfielders sitting out every other day or something like that. But the other kind of idea I have, and I don't, I really, really hope this isn't what it, the, the plan is, but maybe there is something that we as fans don't know about where the Blue Jays are uh, not taking somebody into consideration with their, for their future plans. Maybe it's, you know, we, we mentioned prospects, how the fact that the Blue Jays actually have prospects like Austin Martin who are expected to come up in the next couple of years. Maybe the Blue Jays, for some reason, don't, expect him to be part of the the plan maybe they want to trade somebody and use him as a trade piece I, again i really hope that's not the case and i i don't think that's overly likely but you know maybe that is the case i don't know i think the the only reason why i'm thinking that is because the blue jays have people that can play in the infield yet they keep looking to acquire more infielders and the only logical thing to do is to get rid of some somebody to take over that position because you know I said there's no way that the corner outfielders for the Blue Jays are going to sit out well there's no way you're going to have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. out of the lineup or you're not going to have a primary DH or you're not going to have Bo Bichette uh, alternating games between you know, does he play or is he the DH for one game or is he not playing because Francisco Lindor or DJ LeMay who are insert anybody because they're playing I, they're not going to do that because that doesn't make sense you know you're not going to pay a guy the money that you would expect him to make by playing a full season and then basically have him share his position with somebody else. That just doesn't work. Uh, but overall, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the Blue Jays are very aggressive with these, not aggressive, but they're very out there with uh, who they're going for. And, you know, they're kind of showing interest in everybody, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like they should kind of redirect their attention to, uh, are trying to acquire some type of pitcher or somebody that addresses a need that the Blue Jays currently have because, like we've said, they don't technically need out infielders. Obviously, you can always improve, but let's face it, Bo Bichette's not going anywhere. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., unless he really struggles, is not going anywhere. Kevin Biggio's not going anywhere. So the Blue Jays, you know, they have infielders. I don't, I don't th think that they necessarily need to improve, but... I think I think this is just the nature of how the offseason is going. They're they've been very out there, so it's it's just going to be 
basically us listening to them saying we're interested in this guy for the next couple months and then again i don't think any of these moves are overly likely i feel like if they do actually make a move it's going to be for a pitcher but at the end of the day i mean they're showing interest in everybody and that's just kind of i think the end of it yeah i think my favorite theory for why the blue jays are involved with this these infielders is what you mentioned with cabin biggio i think if they got an infielder it would move Kevin Biggio to the outfield and then trade Randall Grishik. So I think either way, trading Randall Grishik is in their plans, but it's just a question of whether they trade Grishik and get an outfielder or trade Grishik, get an infielder, move Biggio to the outfield. So there are a lot of different connecting dots, but ultimately I think they're just involved for the best deal possible. Like they, they want the best player available on their team and they're, casting a wide net like we said with Jay Happ they're casting a wide net for all these different options and you know whatever comes up they're going to take and they're going to figure out a way to make it work inside the the franchise inside the system but I think they're all out there trying to get the best deal and if they end up with an infielder they end up with an outfielder they'll figure it out but yeah like I said I think Kevin Biggio if they get an infielder whether it's Lindor whether it's Andrelton Simmons whether it's DJ LeMahieu, Colton Wong, I think they'll be moving Kevin Biggio to the outfield, which we already kind of saw them do this year. Yeah, and for the first time in a while, this is an offseason where we're hearing so much uh, that the Jays are going to be active, they want to be active, and it's a lot better than, you know, previous years where you just don't know what the heck they're going to do, and, you know, they're making all their signings in February when they're signing players to one-year deals with an invite to spring training, you know, the usual deal for depth. And it's great to see that they're actually interested in making improvements. But now it's gotten to the point where I'm going to be very disappointed if they don't do anything because of all the hype that they've been, or all the momentum that's been building up with this. Ross Atkins has said it, Mark Shapiro said it, and like I said, you very you rarely get anything from them. And the fact that they are being, you know, the around the game itself, people like Scott Boris as well, mentioning that the Jays are very active and very or plan to be very aggressive. It's very. It, it's exciting and it's really good news because they're trying to do everything they can to make this team even better, who was a playoff team in 2020. So hopefully, regardless of what they do, they make some improvements. And like you said, if it takes moving Kevin Biggio to the outfield full-time uh, in order to put a better product on the field and put the team in a better position to win, I think Kevin Biggio himself would have no problem with it. And I think all of us would have no problem with it either. And Mark, I believe too, you were one of the people who predicted this um, for Kevin Biggio to eventually move to the outfield a couple months back when we were talking during the shutdown. So if he has to go to the outfield, I'm completely fine with that as well. As long as it makes this team better, regardless if it's DJ LeMahieu, maybe Francisco Lindor, even though we know how we feel about that, and maybe Colton Wong, and like you said, Andrelton Simmons as well. Lots of potential names out there to make this team better, and it's very exciting, and hopefully something's done uh, before the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, out of those names... Who do you think is most realistic for the Blue Jays to get? Because I know, like, MLB Trade Rumors was predicting that the Blue Jays would get DJ LeMahieu. I honestly don't see that happening. I don't think they're going to... I think if they're going to spend big money on a player, it's going to be on someone else. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't really articulate why. I just don't see them getting DJ LeMahieu. I think it's going to be George Springer... Jake Odorizzi, maybe even Trevor Bauer. I don't think it's going to be DJ LeMayhew. So out of, the, out, of, out of DJ LeMayhew or Colton Wong, I could see them getting Colton Wong. I don't see them getting DJ LeMayhew. I'm going to be honest. I don't think 
either of them are actually going to come to the Blue Jays. I mean, the Yankees and the Mets are kind of looked at the favorites to get uh, DJ LeMahieu. I don't think they're actually going to go for Colton Wong. Or when I say go, go for him, I mean they're going to finalize the transaction. They may be interested in him, but I, I don't think at the end of the day they're going to say, uh, okay, we're going to sign him. They, because, like you said, there's been so much hype where the, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have said, yeah, we want to make our team better. We want to get a star player. We want to do this. But I think at the end of the day, they, they know what they're doing. And you know they understand that if Taiwan Walker or Trevor Bauer or somebody is available that they don't yet have, they're not going to spend all their time and resources trying to acquire somebody that they already have, somebody that can take over that position. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know if it's necessarily who's more likely. I personally don't think either of them are likely. Uh, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the players are bad. I don't think that either of them would be bad options. It's just, you know, it, it, as the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Blue Jays have infielders, and it just kind of it would be kind of weird to say, you know, we're going to try almost too hard to improve the infield when there are parts of the team that legitimately do need uh, kind of fixing as it, as it goes. But yeah, I, just, I, don't, I don't think either of them are overly likely. Um, out of the names, for, okay, I'll start with DJ LeMahieu. I think he goes back to the Yankees. Uh, I just think that the Yankees will, you know, as much of an impact he made and how much better he made that team, regardless of, or right when he started, uh, in his first year back there in 2019, I think the Yankees will make sure they can bring him back. And you know, as much as it is real, is realistic, it is they could out easily outbid the Blue Jays. And the only way he comes here is if they really go to a point where the Yankees don't believe they can. You know, he's worth that amount. But I think any sort of offer the Jays give, I think he'll match it. And if I'm DJ LeMahieu, I'd go back to the Yankees as well. Of course, you know that that's the team that gave him the biggest deal from the get go a couple years ago when he left Colorado. He's going to get another big payday. He makes that team even better. I just think that his preference would be back in New York unless the Jays can find a way to overpay and somehow, you know, they won't outbid the Yankees, but they'll just overpay um, from what the Yankees are willing to pay. And then, of course, that would, you know, the, you know how the rest goes. But DJ LeMahieu, I realistically think he goes back to the Yankees. And the, the two likely players I think that could easily come here, Jake Odorizzi, I'm still not too sure he would he would come here based on you know, first of all, this Jay Happ thing as well this morning shows that the Jays are pretty much looking at anyone in the starting rotation. Um, I think, again, interested in Taiwan Walker coming back. I'm sure they're keeping in contact with Matt Shoemaker. But, you know, as time goes on, I'm not sure I'm not sure how confident I am with him coming back. Um, I realistically think George Springer is the most likely option for the Jays to come here. I just think, you know, it started early with the reports of how interested they are in uh, George Springer, and it's continued. We've seen it. I just, you know, the Jays, and it makes the most sense for them, regardless of the infield. We know how crowded the infield is. We just touched on it. And, you know, other than the starting rotation, the biggest need for improvement that you can do is the outfield. And if you bring in George Springer, regardless of that means you trade Randall Gritchick or move him back to right field and put Springer in center field, because that would obviously be what would happen. And then you kind of, you know, rotate Teoscar Hernandez through the DH. You know, they can get very creative with that, but... Regardless, if you're going to take George Springer and get rid of Randall Gritchick, you know, who who would say no to that? Nobody would say no to that. And Randall Gritchick as well, he is on a pretty massive deal from the Jays from a couple years ago. So he's, you know, they a lot of people too at the time were questioning if he was worth that amount of money. But regardless, at the time, the Jays were a rebuilding team looking just to spend whatever they wanted to. I don't think they were really concerned about the dollar figure. But when you look at it now, Randall Gritchick is getting paid a, a decent amount of money. 
And I know he had a great 2020, but based off of his career numbers, there's some that question if he's worked that. But anyways, if you bring in George Springer, I think that's the most likely scenario. Regardless, you know, I just think, like I said, the reports have been steady with him. And he it makes makes the most realistic sense for him to come here and for the Jays as well to improve in the outfield rather than the in, the infield. And then, of course, Trevor Bauer, um, you, you can't rule him out. I think there's a decent chance, but I think Trevor Bauer is, you know, we know how interesting of a character he is. I think he's really just going to explore any significant offer he'd get, like in terms of dollar, in terms of term. I think he will get a handful of offers from a bunch of teams. And if, if that's going to be the case, why can't, of course, you can't rule him out for the Jays because you never know. But he's going to be someone who's going to be pursued by many teams. And Trevor Bauer knows that because, you know, how, how how much fun he's having on Twitter. The fact that he's doing that, it just, it makes it look like things are going well for him in terms of what he's predicted. And I'm sure he's going to get a payday regardless. And I'm not saying the Jays can't do it. I just think that he's going to be pursued by many teams. And, of course, you can't rule the Jays out for that. But in terms of all these other names, uh, George Spring would be my likely, the most likely player to come here. And behind him would be Jake Odorizzi. And then if those two are crossed off the list, then you start looking at other names like Colton Wong. Um, I think at the at that point, DJ LeMahieu will be off the market. But, you know, and even Andrelton Simmons, you start moving down the list as well as time goes on. But George Springer, number one, Jake Odorizzi, number two, out of all these names that we've known that the Jays have interest in so far. And totally unrelated, well, kind of related, but Randall Gorsuch just got married on Friday. So congrats to him. Congratulations, um, Randall. Let's turn now to a um, very brief topic, a little piece of news that popped up through the week. The Hall of Fame ballot came out. We now know the names that are on it. Um, there are three former Blue Jays who have been added in this year's um, additions to the ballot. There are Mark Burley, of course, Blue Jay from 2013 to 2015. Latroy Hawkins, who came over um at the trade deadline in 2015 and only pitched for the Blue Jays for a couple of months. And then A.J. Burnett going all the way back to 2006 to 2008 with the Blue Jays. Um, Out of these three, I think it's safe to say only Mark Burley really has a shot of making it into the Hall of Fame. Neither of the other two really have any chance. They both had good careers, but not really a chance of making it into the Hall. Um, Very quickly, Mark Burley, do you think he's going to make the Hall of Fame? Uh, Mark Burley, I think, is going to get into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, obviously, it likely won't be as a Blue Jay. It's probably going to be a Chicago White Sox because all the years he spent there, um, he spent 12 years there. And, of course, we, we know the most highlight of his career was the perfect game he did throw and, you know, massive moments he had with Chicago when he was in his prime. Uh, he spent one year in Miami, and then, of course, he was part of that monster Marlins Blue Jays deal that winter and we saw a lot of Mark Burley and Mark Burley was somebody that really none of not, nobody really hated you know I've always liked Mark Burley you know he's not going to give you he's not a superstar in terms of numbers well when he was with the Jays near the end but he was somebody that continually gave you innings um, you know there was that streak he had um, I believe it ended in 2015 where it was the I think it was 300 innings pitch mark I don't know if you can correct me I think it was but I just remember that was- 14, was it 200? 14 straight years with 200 innings yeah. pitched or more. And he, he only missed it by, I think it was like an inning because he, yeah. he tried the, to pitch the, on the last the game in the Tampa. Season. The game mm-hmm. in Tampa didn't go too well. But anyways, just the, the amount of respect he had around the game. And if you want to go back to that start alone, the, the leash that John Gibbons gave him to try and accomplish that mark, unfortunately he didn't do it. It just wasn't 
his night, and I think it was the la- it was probably one of the last starts of this uh, the year. It was definitely late in September when this happened. But what in terms of his career with the Jays, always gave you innings, and he was a solid pitcher. He was. But when you want to go back to his prime years when he was with the White Sox, the perfect game he threw, the numbers he posted in his 12 years there, he definitely has the best chance to make the Hall of Fame out of those three. Uh, Latroy Hawkins, you know, had a first of all he had a great career, and I think all of us can agree. You know, if you I know he barely spent time in Toronto, but if you want to remember the most memorable moment with him in Toronto, of course, he was the one that pitched the game they clinched the AL East in Baltimore that night, and I think that's what I'll remember him most for. Obviously, he pitched a a lot when we were younger, so I don't really remember him as well. A.J. Burnett, another good name who spent time with the Jays, but out of those three names, Mark Burley definitely has the best chance to get into the Hall of Fame, and I do think he'll get into the Hall of Fame, regardless if it's this year or whatever. I think eventually, as time goes on, he will be going to Cooperstown. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. It's just Mark Burley was extremely consistent for a long time. And as you mentioned, that streak of 14 straight seasons of 200 innings pitched. I mean, he, he was about to get to the 15th straight year. Just the, the final game wasn't as good. Latroy Hawkins, I think one thing that's interesting to me is he actually has had a save against every team in the league and actually if I remember correctly the last team that he would he needed to get a save against was the Twins when he was with the Blue Jays and I think I was at that game you know so it was it was interesting uh I think you know again like like Bryson said he he's older you know I only really knew him when he was with the Blue Jays just because you know I'm not that old you know I I wasn't around for that long but I think a guy like Mark Burley for sure is getting in. Uh, he's he's just been he's been good or he was good for a very long time, and I think he's the, he's got the the best chance. Yeah, Mark Burley, I think will get in. I think he was really like the last one of the last uh, pitchers of his era. A guy who is really going to pitch two hundred innings every single year. I don't think we really see that anymore. Of course, there's some holdovers that we do see. Um, still pitch like that but I think it's only a matter of time before we don't and um, one of the last guys who we will see who did that and he just did it really well and he didn't overpower guys but he uh he had the command on his pitches had the movement to do it so yeah I think he'll be a hall of famer I hope he is um okay the last thing we want to talk about today is projections for 2021 are starting to come out um the zips projections from uh, Fangraphs are out, and we have a number of numbers that are, I think, are interesting numbers that we can play a little over/under on, um, and then we can maybe check back in um, after the season is done. Uh, I guess about a year from now, and see whether we were correct. But okay, so are you guys ready? Um, the first one that we're going to do to Oscar Hernandez, zips projects him to hit 35 home runs this season. Over or under? Uh, 35? Yeah. I am going to... I'm going to go under. I think he gets close to 35. I don't know if he gets 40. I just... I know he had a great 2020. I just need to see more out of him on a, in a 162-game season. But, of course, I he's, he's definitely going to get 30. I just don't know if he gets over 35. I, I'm going to say over, to be honest. Uh, he... In 2019, he hit 26 home runs. This year, he only hit 16, but there's only 60 games, so you know the numbers. That's were a crazy pace, yeah. Disproportionate, but he. I, I'm gonna go over. I think he he had his. This was his breakout year, and had 2020 have been a full 162 game seasons, maybe he could have even have done that this year. And even even with that, he spent some time on the uh, the injured list. But I, I'm gonna go over for sure. 
I'm taking the under as well, under 35, because I think, like, it's impossible to know what happens in 162. I think a lot of pitchers would have figured him out, and he would have cooled off a little bit if it was 162. So I'm going to say under, um, maybe, like Bryson said, like 31, 32, but not quite over 35. Um, okay, the next number we have, uh, Bo Bichette. Zips is projecting him to have 4.0 war in 2021 over or under i first of all bobachet you know the value he has i like like he's just that player who is gonna play 162 games every year he can easily play every game and now when i'm looking at it he has a career war of 3.1 obviously a very small sample size this year was 0.8 but remember he was all he was injured for a good chunk of the season if you're gonna say his his war is gonna be four i'm gonna go over i think he's only gonna get better and better each year and I think he's that person, like I said, he's going to be in the lineup every day. We know what he gets. He gets on base. He fields. He does everything good. Bo Bichette, my favorite player, the best player on the Blue Jays. He's going to go over. I'm going to say the same thing, Ren, honestly. I think, you know, his career war is kind of a combination of two seasons because he's only played uh, about a full season with uh, 2019 and 2020. So given give him a full season and... You know, the fact that he has been getting progressively better, and he was even really good when he first came up. Like, let's not uh, forget that, but I think he, his his war is definitely going up. Yeah, he hasn't even played 80 Major League games. He's only played 75 Major League games, and he has a career war of 3.1. So, even if you just multiply that by 2, assuming he would play 150 games in a season, that's a war of 6.2 in one season. So, I'm taking the over as well. I think... He finally puts it all together. He stays healthy. He gets a full season, and he can uh, put up a war of, who knows, five, six, whatever. Okay, the next one that we have, I find this one very interesting. He hit eight home runs in 2020. Um, Zip's projections has Kevin Biggio hitting 22 home runs in 2021, over under. I'm going to say over just because in 2019, uh, he had 100 sorry, 430 plate appearances over 100 games, and he hit 16 home runs, and that was his first season in the league. This season, he only played, he played actually 59 games, so one less than the entire season, and he hit eight home runs. I'm going to go over, I think, again, same thing with Bichette. This is not his first season in the majors. You know, he's been in there long enough now, or at least he's been in there in the league for an amount of time to kind of adjust so I'm, I'm going to say over, given the last time he played. He didn't even play a full season in 2019 just because of when he came up, but and he still hit close to 20 home runs. So I think give him a full season of consistent, no, consistently knowing that he's going to play every day, I think he's definitely hitting maybe not too much over 22, maybe 23, 24, 25 maybe, but I'm going to say definitely over. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the under because I think – Okay, so when I think of Kevin Biggio, before I looked at the numbers, I didn't realize really how many home runs he had hit in 2019. I knew he hit eight home runs in 2020, but 2019, he hit, like you said, he hit 16 home runs, which is way more than I thought he did. And I don't think of him as a power hitter, but he clearly is based on that pace. But at the same time, I, I don't know, maybe it's just the image in my head I have of Kevin Biggio as a player. I don't see him hitting 22 home runs or more so I'm going to take the under I'm I'm not confident in that position but I'll take the under I'm gonna agree with Jacob here I'm gonna go I'm gonna take the over 
Um, I just think Kevin Biggio, somebody who gets on base a lot, relatively low or lower batting average, a career average of 240, but an OPS, a career OPS of 798. Somebody who hits home runs, I think Kevin Biggio gets over. And of course, Jacob, like you said, 2019, 16 home runs. 2020, um, eight home runs. But again, 2020, I feel like he was a lot better than what he was in 2019. Another person who's going to only get better. Kevin Biggio, somebody with a relatively good OPS, somebody who will hit home runs. I think I'm. I think Jacob's right. He won't get near. He'll get around 22, 23, 24. I'm going to take the over just because I think he can potentially reach that. If he if he hit 16 home runs in 100 games, I definitely think he can get near 22, 23 in a full season or around 120, 130 games. And keep in mind those uh, 16 home runs that was during his first uh, experience in Major League Baseball. Exactly. So now he has. Yeah. You know he's adjusted uh, over. A, first of all, a playoff run being with the Blue Jays this year and even la- uh, the the previous year, he, that that was his first experience in uh, with against major league pitchers, and he still, you know, he was still good. Like he wasn't bad by any means. Sixteen home runs is still, you know, I, I'll take that even if he's in, in fourth or fifth year in the in the league and he's kind of a average, better, slightly better than average type of player. Okay, the next one is Lourdes Goriel Jr. This one I think is fairly easy, but Zip's projection has him hitting 272 in 2021. For reference, he hit 281 in 2018, 277 in 2019, 308 in 2020. So a batting average of 272 would be the lowest of his career, over or under. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to say over, but... Again, see the thing is, is his average that, like you said, Mark, that would be his lowest average. However, his career average is two eighty seven. So I mean, it, it would be the lowest, but I, I'm going to say over just because you know he's shown that he is a better player than that. And even two seventy one, that's not even bad. I would take that if I was in need of a in need of a hitter. But uh, I'm going to say over just because that is already lower than his career average whereas if you were to say you know 280 then i'd be like "Uh, maybe uh we'd have to see but if kind of projecting him to hit technically worse than what he's uh what he's shown to hit i think definitely he'll he'll, uh, have a better average than that i am this this is a slam dunk to go over uh lord scurriel jr will go over that number and just remember the lowest average like you said mark you brought it up 2019 was 277 but the thing people need to remember was he had a horrible start, uh, regardless of what was going on around him. He was playing second base. He was uncomfortable. He was benched one game. He was sent to the minors. Once he came back up as an outfielder, he was a brand new player, somebody that we, we saw more in 2018 when he hit 281, somebody who got a lot better, looked more comfortable everywhere around the field. Uh, that is a, pretty much the reason why his lowest average is 277 from 2019. In 2020, you know, played, in this case, a full season in the outfield, and in this case, he was playing well. He hit 308, like you said, Mark. He was getting on base. He was doing everything right. One of the best and most consistent hitters on the Jays in 2020. And if, you know, over 162-game season, uh, you know, why why not bet on him to go over that number? I just think it's something that he could be easily accomplished uh, for his standards, for sure. Yeah, I don't, I like, there's nothing to think about here. Like, to me, it's naturally over. Because, like you said, like, 308 in 2020, not even close to 272. I there's it's just a no-brainer. Um, okay, so I have a few for the pitching side of things. The first one, starting off with 
Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, Zips Projections has him at a 358 ERA in 2021. Um, I think that's a pretty tough number to choose an over-under on. So what do you guys think? Hyunjin Ryu, 351 is the over-under? 358. 358. So when you want to take a look at this, remember in 2020 with the... The, the uh, division realignment, Hinjin Ryu was playing a lot of NL teams that he has seen before. And you can you can understand, you know, his ERA being good. It definitely wasn't what like it was in 2019. But of course, um, he's now going to be playing the Yankees a lot. The AL East, different AL teams, 358. I am going to go under, but I think it's going to be very close around that mark. Maybe 350. I don't think he's going to be any worse than 358. I just think he's too good of a... A pitcher to go over there. Uh, there's only been once, actually, there's been one season where he did go over, where he made 24 starts, and that was in 2017. He had a 377 ERA. The the year before, um, it was 2016. He only made one start. That doesn't count. So I consider more 2017 his rookie year. I don't think he'll go anywhere near that mark this year. Uh, but I th- I do think it'll be around 330 his ERA. It's definitely going to climb based off of this past couple years with the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I, I think 358 is high for him. I mean, his career average is 295. However, that that was in a completely different league with you know ballparks that are a lot bigger. You, know, you play the Yankees in the Rogers Center. Might be a little bit of a different story. I'm going to go kind of like what you said, Bryson. Under, but not by much. I mean... Can I, do I think he's going to have a sub-2 ERA or a sub-3 ERA, rather? No, unfortunately no, but I think he'll definitely still have an ERA low threes, definitely under the three under three fifty. So I it's just I'm gonna overall say under on that. Right there with you guys. I'll take under. I think he's gonna increase a little bit, have maybe a little bit more struggles as he ages a little bit, but I think he'll be overall fine. Um I think he'll be largely what we saw this year. Okay, the last one is Robbie Ray. Um Zips projects him having a wins above replacement of 2.5 in 2021. For reference, his war in 2020 was only 0.3. It hasn't been higher than 1.4 since 2017 when he put up an ERA of 4.7, which was the highest of his career. So 2.5 war over under. I'm going to say under just because, like you said, it's it is definitely not consistent with him but I, I feel like the thing Robbie Ray is that would definitely improved when he came to the Blue Jays his ERA with the Dodgers or with the the Diamondbacks was close to eight whereas it was uh, closer to five with the Blue Jays obviously you know still you want to lower that but I don't think he's necessarily going to be the you know the the savior for the Blue Jays I think he's going to probably be your third fourth or fifth starter something like that he'll be good I think I don't think he's going to be bad but I don't think he's definitely going to be you know the you know, up there with what, uh, with uh, kind of these crazy predi- uh, types of predictions. What was the number for the war again? What was it? Two. Two point five. Two point five. That's that's actually a tough one. Um, the highest he's gotten, like you like you said, Mark, his All Star season in twenty seventeen, it was four point seven. Anywhere close, it hasn't been any. It hasn't been anywhere near that since. I'll probably go under. I just I'm not overly optimistic about that one. We know what we're getting out of Robbie Ray. Um, He's going to be probably the fourth, fifth starter on this team. He's coming back for one year. The only thing that what Robbie Ray accomplishes here is he's solidified a rotation spot to start the year, and the rest will be up to him. But um, he's he's 
I just, I, you know what you're getting out of Robbie Ray. He's a good pitcher. Uh, he's not a superstar, but he's not horrible. And, um, you know, uh, just under, I think, uh, he won't be anywhere near 2.5. But I do think he'll be a decent piece to this team in terms of depth and in terms of his place near the end of the back end of the rotation. I'm not overly optimistic about that one. But I do know his numbers got better once he became, once he came over to the Blue Jays. There was one start in particular that kind of inflated his numbers. But if you give him a full season under Pete Walker, he definitely could improve so, uh, significantly. Yeah, under again. I think to get like a 2.5 war, he might have to have like a full season of like a sub four ERA, maybe like 3.5, 3.75. I don't really think that's possible. Um, so I, I'll take the under. I think he'll have a good season. He'll be useful for the Blue Jays, but not anywhere near 2.5 war like you guys said. Okay, so that's all the over-unders we have. And that's all we have for today's podcast. So thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Section 138. As always, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or just tell a friend and let them know about this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Section138Pod. We'll be back next week with some new topics and probably some new names that the Blue Jays have been involved with. But until then, we'll catch you next week.